Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Bev Andrews is a change management expert and for a number of years now I've worked with and witnessed the rise of change management functions in a range of organisations from utilities to banks and all kinds of businesses. Usually my role is in the communication space and that can take patience, lots of time and nuance to get those approaches going in sync with my change management counterpart. Change management draws on theories from many disciplines, including psychology, behavioral science, engineering, and systems thinking, and there are many different types of models to choose from. One central idea of all change management theories is that no change ever happens in isolation. In one way or another, change impacts the whole organization and all the people in it. But with good change management, you can encourage everyone to adapt and embrace your new way of thinking. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, my guest Bev has devoted the last 20 years of her career to delivering business solutions across a broad range of services in diverse sets of industries. Bev has extensive experience in organizational management, managing, developing and facilitating change in order to achieve organizational improvement and transformation. And during her career, Bev has worked within organizations of different shapes and sizes, including those that she can talk about a little bit more in our podcast. Bringing this experience to her business now, Aspire Change Management, Bev continues to provide the highest level of practical and empowering change management support, training advice to Australian businesses. Unlike other consultancies, Aspire specializes only in change management and they provide end-to-end change management, which includes the strategy, the planning, delivery and capability development. Working strategically and tactically, Aspire leverages processes and tools, engages employees on this journey. So to find out a bit more about what Bev does and how she approaches change management, I want to welcome her to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content and quality sound. And that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy. And with everything from local recording to automatic post-production, all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. So just to go back into your childhood career ambitions, I don't suppose change management was in that wish list, along with astronaut ballerina and anything else you might have thought you might have been. (laughs) Do you remember what you wanted to do as a kid growing up and how did you kind of get to where you are now? (laughs) 
Well, uh, what I remember as a child growing up was I really loved maths and um, and my dad loves maths. So maths was my thing. And in the mid-70s, when I was first in high school, I can remember this computer science type of topic being thrown around because, you know, all about computers and, and things. And of course, we didn't have computers then. We'd barely got, barely got colour TV, a man on the moon. So I thought I would go into computers. As it turned out, we emigrated to Australia and my love of maths and my dad's encouragement, I went into banking because uh, back then it was considered to be quite a, a you know, very professional. You were all referred to as Mr. or, well, Mr. because um, married ladies weren't allowed to stay in the workforce. So you were Mr. or Miss. And it's just progressed from there, I think, from understanding businesses. Change didn't exist as a profession then, but obviously everything was changing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting, isn't it? So I can see that sort of trajectory, I guess, into what what you do now. And there's obviously a lot of data and and analytics that goes into change management. What do you define change management is and how does it kind of operate in a practical level in an organisation? Oh, that, that's a that's a question over a, a bottle of wine, I think, not a glass of wine there, <laughs> I remember. So what it is, it, you know, the, the the formal term for it really is that you're making, um, you, you're changing from something that's occurring today in today's state into something that's new. So whether it be through an expected behaviour, whether it's doing something completely different or in a different way, you're just sort of going from A to B. And the journey can, could literally just be one small step or it could be, you know, a journey of A to Z and you just start with A and you're moving uh, moving through what that could be, which is quite often what you hear when you, you hear about, you know, organisations are doing a, a huge transformation. They're talking about something that is going to have multiple facets to it. But it could be something as simple or not as simple as just deploying a, a small project or, you know, changing the whole way we work through an, a, an office refurbishment. So it's lots of different things and, and it means lots of different things to different organisations as well. Yeah, I can I can see the challenge, I guess, for any organisation, no matter how big it is, to really embrace change management. I mean, when you're talking about sort of transformation, is it things such as, I don't know, everything from, you know, rebranding or merging with another company or even just downsizing and shifting the way they operate? I mean, what would be some of the more, I guess, tactical ways which change management plays out? I think we often bandy words around a lot because they sound really you know, important and big. Especially in corporate, right? (laughs) Corporate speak is terrible. (laughs) So you hear the word transformation. Now, transformation for for me is when I worked in one organisation, which was one of the banks, well, actually two of the different banks, to be honest. And that was, one was actually around an acquisition and creating a whole new culture for the organisation over here in Western Australia. And that was a, the actual merger itself took a couple of years of, and the rebranding and bringing the teams together, keeping the business functional at the same time, or the two businesses until they actually were operating as one. And then working through all the elements from, you know, getting all of your processing through correctly, training everybody, being able to communicate out to your customers. You know, that was a huge transformation and that took a significant amount of time, significant amount of resources and lots of high energy. The, the other example with the, the bank was actually wanting to expand 
outside of uh, Western Australia. And once again, that was quite transformational because they looked at a completely different way of operating over on the East Coast, uh, simplifying a lot of their products and processes because they didn't want to replicate a lot of the old style traditional banking we had back in those days, which was very much writing checks and coming into a branch and, and doing all your transactions actually in a branch, but starting to move into that more digital world. Now, they were transform. They were really transformational. They rebranded. Uh, they took all the employees and tried to bring them along on that journey, making it exciting, making them part of it and being involved. They were really transformational changes. They weren't based just on replacing technology. And often we see out there we're doing a digital transformation, which at the crux is is ripping out a core old mainframe or technology and replacing it with some more adaptive and agile technologies that we have for today's market. Mm. And when you say these things can take time, I mean, I imagine they can take years, not just months. Exactly. When when you're doing that type of uh, transformational change, where it's across the whole of the organisation, you're looking at everything that's not just around uh, that particular piece of change you, you need to make sure you've got the right the right leadership in play you need to build a variety of capabilities for your for your colleagues you're bringing different teams together so you've got that whole uh, norming and storming of teamwork that goes on as people come together people's beliefs and and their own personal psychological contracts that they've actually bought in with them um, what they you know what their expectations are of the organization how we communicate and we still got to keep the work going and keep the customers going as well meet regulatory commitments um, all of those types of things still have to happen while you're going through these types of transformations so what's the basis to your framework for change management can you give us an idea of how you operate so my basis is I like I like to try to keep things as simple as possible for um, for whoever I'm working with. So I'm not one of these that will go out there and and try to dazzle with you know I'm using this type of methodology or we're only going to use this element here or I'm going to you know cherry prick from everything in my toolkit. My my approach is very much around. What's the organisation? Where's its history right now? What's it trying to achieve? What capacity does it have right now? Because organisations, as I keep harping on, are in business and they're usually doing this as well as lots of other changes going on at the same time. So what can they actually absorb to be successful? And what's the most pragmatic way of making that happen? So there's lots of frameworks out there around doing your engagement and experiments and being very agile and adaptive and it's all in and it's all collaborative. And it's really wonderful to do that because it creates a high, high sense of energy and everybody leaning in. But at the same time, it is distracting from their day-to-day work as well. So, and quite often organisations don't supply extra resources, you know, so so you're taking your specialists out of their day-to-day job to actually help craft this new future. So my framework is very much around assessing what we've got in front of us right now. What can we leverage? What can we knit together with other things that are going on so we're not duplicating effort or we're not trying to call on the same stakeholders for multiple pieces of work. And then based on the capabilities across the organisation, what are some of those strategies that we can leverage from? 
put some simple plans together. There's lots of arguments around, well, you shouldn't plan for anything because that, you know, doesn't allow you to pick up any of the low-hanging fruit versus you can't plan for everything either, (laughs) but you still need to have a plan. Absolutely. And then build people around you to actually be the ones that are uh, building and and, uh, implementing that change because they're the ones who are going to be sustaining that change once you've actually left the, the building, so to speak. So it's very much around building a framework of engaging what you've got working at the pace of the organization and with their capability and their capacity and enabling those that are going to be there to carry it forward, to feel equipped to do so once the change has actually landed. Wow, that's a great explanation. I think that's the best way I've heard that explained in a really, you know, non-jargonistic way, which I think is a challenge for lots of people who might not be familiar with what change management actually means. They might have even worked in an organisation where they've gone through some sort of transformation and not felt very much part of that, if that makes sense, because it's just been at the top level. It's just been something that's been left to the management team or or the ELT. And and unfortunately, you know, most organisations operate that way. You know, we still have forms of, of hierarchy and that's a very traditional way of working and that comes from, you know, the early industrial changes and, and with IT. And it's a very sort of a power and control approach to our leadership. And, and we are adapting. Our organisations are adapting and it's slow. People are adapting more, you know, a, a lot quicker. And you've only got to look at the last two years of how adaptive people can be when we face a crisis. And the challenge we now face from a change perspective is trying to balance that. How do we actually enable people to co- contribute and feel that they're collaborating without the organisation feeling that it's going to go into chaos or lose that control and be a lot more responsive because we do need to be. So, um, yes, we can make it sound very complex and hard, and that's why it keeps us all in business. But if we bear it back down to the basics, people understand, and then, you know, that builds that awareness and uh, desire, which is what you're looking for, because they need to be part of the change, not have change done to them. Absolutely. So how does a business know if it's getting its change management right? You mentioned the fact that some organisations don't like the idea of planning because they think it's all sort of in free fall. But I imagine that you have checks and balances along the way that let you know rather than getting to the end of a timeline and then retrospectively deciding. That's very true. And that's one of the things that the agile way of working has really sort of helped influence that going back and checking in a regular basis. So in a more traditional way, you would be putting your projects out there and your changes out there and you're sort of going in a more linear way. We do this step and when we hit a certain point, then we do the next thing and the next thing. And that's how you would see a lot of your communications and your engagements occurring. With Agile, it's broken down into smaller pieces that can be uh, delivered slightly earlier. And that enables you then to check as you're actually going, hitting the mark. Are people actually able to adopt this? Are they ready for it? So being able to build in, even if your project is, you know, something that can only be delivered in one big hit, and it's going to take 12 months or 18 months, you can still check in with people, you know, asking people if you've put out generic communication on your company's intranet site, for example, you know, start having a look at, well, how many people have actually even looked at that? How can you weave that conversation into regular team meetings? What sort of things can you do so that you can actually check if people are even reading and are aware of what's going on first before you try to do anything else with them. So 
uh, that whole getting feedback and being visible and just asking questions is, is a simple way that you can actually first ask how it's going and then if you are getting it right. And right means different things for different people. So right might mean for the business leader that there's no problems and it's going to plan and I only see you if there's a problem. So therefore, if I don't see you, I'm just going to assume it's okay. That might be right. Right might be for the project manager that it's on schedule and to budget. Right for an individual is very much, I don't need to worry about this until actually it's front in front of me because I've got all these other changes coming to me. So as a change professional, you actually need to understand what that is as part of that early engagement and that early assessment when you're looking at the history of the organisation and how the organisation operates to determine what does right mean. Um, and unfortunately, you see some very poor results because change managers, we're usually very professional, very passionate people. We've got lots of energy and we're very enthusiastic and, and all of that. And we can come in very early like a bull at a gate yes. and oversell almost and um, and then can't deliver because of delays and, and things like that. So you do really have to sort of find the cadence of the organisation, work with the organisation on what's right for them. Absolutely. I do want to talk about some statistics now. Um, obviously, um, everyone might have different experiences anecdotally, but a Harvard Business Review a number of years ago found that around 80% of the projects with effective change management came in in or under budget. So that sounds like that's a bit of a win for the bottom line. However, when change management wasn't as effective, there was clearly negative fiscal impacts. And the same Harvard Business Review suggests that up to 70% of all change initiatives undertaken in organisations fail. So that seems to me a bit of a shock. You know, if it's all going well, and like you say, people think they're doing it right, and there's no feedback loop saying it otherwise, there's obviously some errors which are being made quite, you know, commonly. So there's some things which you you see that people do, you know, either early on or in the process that can actually upend how the change management function can bring its best self to any, any entity, whether it's, you know, a big company or a small company. Definitely. And I think there's a couple of things in here. So one of them is actually making sure you've got the right resource coming in to support you with your change. If you're using internal resources, make sure you've actually developed their capability so that they have a broader understanding of what change management is. Because change management is not just uh, comms and training, and it's not about going on a three-day course and calling yourself a change manager. So the first thing um, is to make sure you've got the right resources coming in and that you understand what they're going to deliver and they understand what you expect of them. So that's my very first thing, and I could spend a whole podcast talking to you about that. The second one, though, which I think is absolutely key, change initiatives, when they talk about them failing, what we're saying there is that we're not actually getting the business to adopt the change as proficiently as we expected. And this is because when when we're thinking about, well, what does the end look like? It's too easy to go, I'm not sure. When I come in and when I talk to people about change, one of the first things I say to them is try to understand what your future is looking like. What is the vision? So this first step when it's deployed and when it's actually functioning in the organisation, what does good look like? And that's the point of what you're trying to achieve when you start your planning for your change, when you start looking at your assessment and your gaps. And you need to start that at the very beginning. I refer to it as having the business ready. Yes. Um, so the change sense. for the business readiness doesn't start when you're ready to go 
and implement, which is unfortunately what does happen with projects because that's when they go, oh, I need someone to come in and do some comms. The readiness is all around things of understanding the end-to-end journey of the processes that you change or the system upgrade that you're doing, or even if you're changing the way that we work, what does that look like when it's operating really well? And then where are we today? And then you can build that gap. But you do it from the beginning and you cut, you keep checking in and you get your business owners to be responsible for those things. As a change person, I'm not responsible for the policy or the procedure. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you can't be doing everything, right? You, I'm not responsible for that. No. You have a certain function in the, in the business. That's right. Business owners are, are accountable for those things. So identify up front. If that's changing, get them engaged early. Get them on the journey so they understand what's changing and what needs to occur to be ready before they go on live. So we can actually educate people and we can close that gap. Because what happens when we go live, people have to do things differently and we're slower. We have to think harder and it takes time and it's a bit painful for us. And that's why things don't land because our business still has to run at its optimum when we go live. And yet we've introduced something new for people. That's why we get these statistics about things failing. It's because we haven't adopted it to the level that we expected. Absolutely. So changing tack a little bit, I'm always a big believer people haven't got to where they are in their business or career without some sort of mentorship and that could be informal or formal. Have there been one or two mentors that really stand out for you and why have they made such an impact in your life and career? There's been a few really great mentors actually and in fact I think every time I've gone and worked in a different organisation or had a different leader, I found someone that I can actually look at and go, I like what they might do there. They might not, it might not be everything, but there's something that I can learn from from everyone. And I did a post recently on LinkedIn and I named a couple of leaders or mentors that probably didn't expect me to, to recognise them. And that's because they did have an impact in a way that they probably didn't expect. So one of my mentors was a really hard taskmaster. He was a real pace-setting leader really pushed the boundaries on how you thought and your delivery and it was a really and I've told him this lately quite an intimidating environment to operate in because every time his cat name come up on my phone my, my little tummy would churn and my heart would be a little bit faster because I knew he was going to be challenging me and asking me questions that I potentially don't know the answer of and I have to go away and think and research and, and get help and challenge but that really took me out of my comfort zone. Uh, Doing this podcast makes me feel uncomfortable and out of my comfort zone. And that's what mentors can do for you is they see the potential in you and they stretch you. So he was, he was one of, one of those. And, uh, and I'm ever grateful for that. That the other mentor that really opened my eyes was he was happy to spend the time when we were talking. It was my time. And so it wasn't about today. What are the problems you're facing today? It was what are the things that you want to know about? You know, what's happening across the organization or outside of the organization that interests you? And how can I actually help you explore that? And that really sort of helped me realize that when you're working on something, you can't work on it in isolation. There is too many other things going on around you that can impact you. So having a mentor that actually helps you look across the horizon, not just down to your feet, is also really, uh, really important as well. So they were two that very much came to mind uh, when I think of my greatest mentors. They sound fantastic. So Mm. if we spoke again in a year's time, what would be the number one thing you have hoped to have changed or evolved in your business and why? 
Oh, this is an interesting question. I've been going through a bit of personal development and planning in the last four to six weeks, and I can honestly say my thinking is pivoting a lot. My biggest passion is actually helping others to be effective in the change profession. And you don't have to be a change manager to do that. And that is looking and and supporting others individually, which is one person at a time. And given that there's billions of people out there, I'm not going to achieve that in a year. So the other passion I have is actually helping organisations understand what is change, what's organisational change, what's enterprise change. And by being a little bit more effective and strategic in this space, the benefits are absolutely huge across the organisation. So in 12 months time, I'd like I'd like there to be more organisational conversation around having enterprise change, having change at the strategic table, having leaders um, embrace the fact that change leadership is something that they need to be focusing on every day and harnessing that strength. Absolutely. So a final takeaway message for us today on the politics of change management, what would you share? I would say that change is different to every single person. So whether you come from a background of change and you're you're a specialist and you've done change in a very traditional project way, whether you've moved into agile, whether you've moved into lean, whether you're moving across all of those elements, don't forget the foundations of our profession, absolutely essential for us to be able to develop and nurture others. And I would say to anybody that's wanting to become a change professional or just understand change a little bit more because it is going to be a core capability for us as we move into our future work is understand the theories of change and where change management's grassroots come from because that will enable you then to adapt and understand anything that comes into our arena a little bit better and it will enable you to anchor what you're trying to do now to achieve a better outcome for the future. Thank you so much, Bev. You've had obviously a a very long career in this business and your expertise really shines through. And if you do want to connect further with Bev Andrews, of course, there'll be some details on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.